This is the Koinos Community Church Podcast. Subscribe so that you can join us regularly as we look to find ways to close the gap between who we are and who God longs for us to be. Well, I have to tell you, it is a privilege and honor to be able to stand up here each week and try to talk about God. I have to confess, though, today this core value that we're talking about is probably the one I have the most trouble with. Just, it's hard for me. Um, and And as a pastor, it probably shouldn't be, but it is. Um... There's a couple of things about me that you should know. Um, well, if you, if you know one or two things about me, one thing that you might know is that I'm reliable. There's a couple other things in there as well. But um, some might consider me to be like in that little matrix of chaotic good. Um, but I'm not flaky. Um, if I say I'll call, I'll call. If, I, if you ask me to pick you something up on my way over to your place... I'm on it. If you need help and I can help, I am your huckleberry. Make sure to make sure that it's done. But there's a downside to being a reliable person. It often means that I don't lean on other people. I don't rely on other folks. I'm just going to take care of it myself. Um, And there's something good in that, but there's also something difficult in that because at some point, I begin to just rely on myself and not rely on others and not rely on God. And that core value that we hold as a group of churches of relying on God, I should be all in on that. But I have to tell you, sometimes I'm not. My name is Andrew, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you're super dependable, or maybe you're just as flaky as all get out. But for each of us, our lives will be better if we learn to lean in to and on God. I'll tell you what I mean, but before I do, let's pray together. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight and helpful to those who hear them. May I rely on you even today in this moment as I try to explain what it is to follow after you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You know, for thousands of years, great thinkers, people smarter than me, maybe not smarter than you, you guys are pretty smart, have pondered the meaning of life. What makes for a good life? Does God have anything to do with that good life? Did God create us Or did we create God? You know, through science and technology, um, through reason, we have in many ways left behind a need for God. Or so we might think. You know, try as we might, we can't explain everything. And our quest for meaning apart from God falls short. And it's in many ways futile. Some people have given up trying to find meaning at all. But we're faced with this quandary, the same quandary that Albert Camus shed light on several years ago. It's that this realization that life is absurd cannot be the end, but only a beginning. 
Camus didn't really find that, that, that meaningfulness in God, but he understood that there was something that should transcend all of this. At least that's how I read it. But things don't always make sense. And those of us who try to follow Jesus, we're called to rely on God. I'm called to rely on God. This core value that we're talking about today, it's slightly different than the other nine in that it, it's phrased differently. All the other values say we value, has that word in it. But this one says we confess. I think he's going to have it up on the screen. It says we confess our dependence on God for everything and seek to deepen our intimacy with him by living prayerfully. You know what? I'm going to switch over to this handheld mic because this is really, I'm really fuzzy or something. Did I unhook it? Oh, there it is. Okay. Sorry. Um, so this dependence, you know, as we embrace this as a group of churches, you know, Carmen mentioned we're the only one in Berks County of the, of the Brethren in Christ, but there's hundreds and hundreds of them all over the, over, over the place. But we all hold these values, these things to be a, something that, that com- connects us together. And in that collectiveness, we confess this, that we are dependent on God for everything. It's counter to this modern idea that we have of our self-sufficiency, our determination, our individualism, all the things that we kind of hold up as virtuous in our society. It goes counter to that because uh, I'm dependent on God, not myself. Dependence on God? Hmm. In our society, how can that even be a thing? We depend on our own ingenuity, our skill, our knowledge, our social acumen. That's how we get by. That's how we get over in life. But learning to rely on God will take some reframing for us. It takes an idea of kind of not just unlearning, but relearning and maybe asking some new questions of ourselves. I think of this old Wilco song. Um, it's Jesus, etc. And the song is really not about Jesus at all, so don't worry about that. But he says there's, there's this, this verse in there. It says, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can come by anytime you want. I'll be around. You were right about the stars. And if I think about this, I, I mean, this song's just been rolling around in my head. I kind of go back to songs from 20 years ago because I'm old, I guess, and there's, it just does something in my, in my spirit to listen to some of this. But it resonated with me this week because there's this sense of there's this reliance and this love. And in the midst of the buildings coming down or being shattered all around us in this song, there's that sense of I'm still here. And this love is what permeates all of that. And you can shed tears and be insecure, or you can find all the answers. You can know that what the stars are really about and that they're out there and they're kind of like setting suns. But I'm still here. And I think that's God talking to me in that sense that we can get to the limit of our reason, the limit of our understanding, and God's still here. And God says, you can rely on me, honey.
whether you like to be called honey or not, God is still present. It's not going to necessarily fix it, but that love helps us get past our sense of understanding our limits. And it's almost as if God, and then later through Jesus, anticipated the situation we were going to find ourselves in, in this modern era that we live in. You know, as a teen, I learned a a passage of scripture. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I'm going to say it. It's going to be a little bit different than what you see on the screen because I learned it in a different, kind of a slightly different translation. Um, But as I learned it, it was, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, the writer understands what our smartest people have failed to grasp. Lean not on your own understanding. Part of our dilemma is we have tried to figure everything out on our own. We try to explain everything away. Um, And that's helpful in some instances and not so helpful in others. When we're grieving and mourning a loss and somebody tries to explain it through science or God or whatever they try to explain it through, that's not always helpful. The writer understands that in the midst of all those things, if we learn to place our trust in God above all else, then he will direct our paths. He will make our paths. When one translation says smooth, which, I don't know, my path hasn't been very smooth in my life, but it has been pretty good when I've trusted in God. There is a limit to our human understanding. And to Jesus' people, to, to folks that are trying to follow after him, there's that sense that God is beyond whatever limit we have. We keep pushing the boundaries. We go to the moon or we reach the far outreaches of the galaxy with telescopes and things like that. Or we are able to cure diseases and things like that. But there's always another limit that we're looking towards. There's always something else that we haven't quite achieved. And for believers, for people who trust in God, we know that God is out there beyond that limit. And we're never going to reach that full human potential because God. I've been reading this book, and it's, it's really thick. And I, you know, sometimes I start a book, and I'm like, I'm just going to finish this because I started it. Um, that's not always true. But like War and Peace is like, that's a slog. And it's like, but I'm going to finish that book. And I did. And The Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace thick and confusing and I'm just going to get I'm going to finish this book and I didn't understand what happened but it happened Um, but this book is more of a philosophy of of life of the last several hundred years and it's called the secular age by Charles Taylor and as I'm reading this and I've still got a hundred ish pages left of this almost 800 page book and there's footnotes and all the stuff I read fluffy stuff too I promise well yeah, I read, I read stuff that's not, yeah, anyways, I digress, but this book, it, it explores many things, but one of the things that it, that it kind of unpacks for us is that sense, that, that theory that we kind of outgrew God somehow, and this wasn't always true, and prior to about 500 years ago, most people understood that there was this kind of enchantment, that, that, that God was present somewhere 
in our lives, whether we acknowledged it or not, or un- there was this understanding. But as we began to unpack things, we began to look in other places for, to explain things. And so over the course of time, if you're an adult or a smart person or a reasonable person, you had to put away that stuff because that was just kind of like magic or some kind of, some kind of thing that wasn't really real. And so we kind of cast God aside in that way. For, for folks that are in that realm, it's, it's this eminent realm of whatever's in front of me is what's real. Whatever I experience is real. Whatever I can know is real. And if there's something beyond that, that transcendence, I'm, I'm not buying into that because that can't be my experience because I haven't experienced it. So he kind of unpacks all of those things and kind of gets to a point of this is why we're this is why we're here. And if I finish the book at some point, maybe we'll talk about that. But at this point, there's this understanding that this can't be all that there is. And I know that because I serve a God who is beyond those limits, I know that I can somehow transcend those limits. I know that I can rely on a God who is beyond all understanding. Not all understanding, but our limited understanding. You know, is it a cop-out for me to say, I don't get it, but I trust God? Some would say that. But it takes humility instead of hubris. It takes a lot of um, pride to say, I think I could figure all this out, and I I don't need God to help me with that. But it takes some humility to say, huh, I can't do it on my own. I can't figure it out all on my own. That's why we come together. That's why we worship together. That's why we have communication with one another because maybe you have a little better understanding or maybe you are asking a question that causes me to think such and such way. And we begin to rely on each other as we rely on God. So I don't think it's a cop-out. To say, I trust God, even though I don't know exactly how, we're, how this thing is all going to play out. I have a good idea, and I have a hope. A woman named Karen Swallow Pryor puts it this way. She says that modernity has peaked. The age of the autonomous individual, the age of the narcissistic self, the age of consumerism and moral drift has left us with bitterness and division a surging mental health crisis, and people just being nasty to one another. But millions of people are looking for something else, a system of belief that is communal, that gives life transcendent meaning. And not just people in this room. People all over the place see what's going on in our society and say, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something that I could be a part of that is going to lift me and lift the people around me. And that's where that reliance on God comes in. The writer goes on to say in Proverbs 3, 7, and 8 that don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. See, the desire to go along, to figure it all out on our own, to answer all the questions, all those things, they don't bring us rest and refreshment. They just bring us anxiety. I've got to make sure I've got all the answers right, or my life is not going to be right. But it doesn't bring rest 
and refreshment. It brings dis-ease and anxiety. So how do we learn? How do we learn to rely on God? There's some clues that are embedded in these passages, in these Proverbs. And I think we could find them throughout the life of Jesus, but we'll stick with these four verses for now. We have to own our limits. God, at very early stages, when he brought the people out of, Israel, out of Egypt, he gave them the Sabbath. Actually, he gave it to us at creation. He said on the seventh day there was rest. And he encourages his people to rest on a seventh day, to know that the end of all our labors is not going to be the end of all of our labors, so we might as well take a break. <laughs> and so that just says that we rely on God, that that one time that we're going to rest is not going to be the end of us. It's not going to keep us from being everything God wants us to be. It's not going to keep us, it's not going to keep us down. We've continually and continually, as we get longer and longer into this road, we feel like there has to be something that's going on every single day to make our lives fulfilled and meaningful. We'll find a lot more meaning if we take a moment to pause and rest. We have to own those limits. We all have capacities. We all have things that we think about that we can, that we need to, we need to turn off in our minds and just rest. Know that God is there for us to lean into. And you guys know your limits better than I know my, well, you guys know your limits better than I know your limits. I think I know my limits. Sometimes I don't. The other thing we could do is acknowledge God in the ordinary. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct your paths or make your paths smooth. The ordinary things of life is where we can learn to rely on God. Not in some extraordinary thing, not in some miracle, but in a sense of, oh man, it is 20 degrees out there today, but the sun is shining, and that's nice. Or we can enjoy this little bit of snow flurries that we have that disappeared by the, re- by the middle of the morning yesterday. We can enjoy the fact that we can have good coffee or tea or whatever your favorite beverage of choice is. All of those things, we can acknowledge God in those and say, God, thank you for that. And when we begin to build a habit of that, then we're sensing that, oh, we rely on God for these things somehow. And I'm not sure how to unpack that for you, but I know that as I lift God up in the day-to-day of my life, I begin to acknowledge that God is present and real, and I'm a part of that transcendence. Henry David Thoreau talks about this, the path that we can choose. Talks about writes about, probably wrote about it. He probably talked about it too. He says, the purpose to pursue some path, however narrow and crooked, in which you can walk in love and reverence. Pursue some path, however narrow and crooked, in which you can walk in love and reverence. Wherever a man separates from the multitude and goes his own way, there's a fork in the road. Though the travelers along the highway see it only, a gap in the paling. Thoreau was a humanist, not necessarily somebody who was a faithful follower of God. I think there was a sense of God about who he was, but he recognized something. And that's where we learn, that's where we, we, we can learn things from folks like him. He would choose a path. We could choose a path. That path may be 
non-existent or non-seen by others. As we're flying down the highway of our life, there's paths on the side. And that's what he's pointing to. We don't notice it because we're blowing through it. What Thoreau says is, if we slow down, we could see those forks and we could take the path. And for us as Christians, as folks who are trying to follow Christ, if we slow down for a minute, we can choose a path that's directed by God. But it's acknowledging it, it's slowing down enough on that highway to say, what is God wanting from me? What is God wanting me to do? And then turn away from evil. You know, the very ends of what I'll call it this, this sense of, of humanism, where it's not a bad thing in and, of its, in and of itself for us to be the best version of ourselves. But it is if it's at the expense of having a relationship with God. Nietzsche and the, the will to power, this is where this leads us in many ways. Nihilism, self-actualization, the diminishment of others. Because at some point, if it's just about us, then we've left out the rest of the planet and we left out this relationship with God. So he says, turn away from evil. It's not always best to try to make yourself into something that you think is the best thing to be. So those are just three things we could do. Start with one, whether that's owning your limits, acknowledging God in the ordinary, or simply turning away from evil. Like, don't just pursue every single path that's out there. Maybe start with the path that's laid out for us by Jesus Christ. For you, what would a smooth path look like? You can talk to God about that. God is present and loving. You can rely on him, honey. And you know you're learning the clue to this, the know, to know that you're learning when, you're, when you sense this healing and refreshment that only God can provide. When you're leaning, our daughter was one of the, so she's 22. I keep saying their ages and I'm getting them wrong. Um, she's 22 years old, but when she was little, and she still does this to an extent, she's like a, I don't know if affectionate's the right word. Maybe it's the right word, but she would just like lean on you, right? Or she'd want to put your, her foot on you when she was close by. She was just kind of like touchy, comforty, you know. And to do that, you have to trust that person. You have to know that that person's going to provide rest. It's not always restful for the one that's getting leaned on. I get that. But for us to lean in, to grab that refreshment that God so richly provides, that's, what, that's when we know that we're doing something right. That's when we know we've slowed down along that highway. That's when we know that we're acknowledging God in all that he has done. You know, I'm going to have Julia and Dan come back up here, and they're going to lead us in a song. Hopefully you've known it. It's probably been covered a gajillion times. But it was originally made popular by a guy named Bill Withers. And it's called Lean On Me. And it's apropos, apropos for today. It doesn't make perfect sense. It doesn't, it's not a perfect fit. But it's uplifting and it's encouraging. And that's what we want. We don't want this to be a downer. I know I've kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, 
again, I struggle with this. I struggle with relying on God, but I'm hoping that we can learn these things together and move, move forward and be the type of people who rely on each other and rely on our God. You know, there's a lyric in here that talks about us not being strong, but I'll be your friend and I'll help you carry on. We can do that for each other. And as we learn to do that with and for each other, we can learn to better rely on God. So I'm going to leave it to these guys to help us lean on God and one another. Thanks for listening to the Koinos Podcast. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share it. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at CC and on YouTube at Koinos Community Church. Until next time, be well, do good, and love others.